0: Today's scripture reading comes from Acts 4, 5 to 13. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name do you do this? This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. So after preparing for this sermon on Acts, I found that I was grateful to be reading and thinking about Acts, the part of the Bible that describes how the early church came to be. And I'm grateful to be in Acts because in many ways, the group that is gathered here today is kind of like the early church. The early church was a young church, and young churches usually face Significant obstacles with limited resources. It's not easy to create something out of nothing and make it last. Ecclesia, we are a young church. In a sense, we're also trying to create something out of nothing. We're trying to create a community where there was no community before. Many of us were strangers three years ago. And now, we, we like the early church, were facing significant obstacles with limited resources. So how does the early church create community out of nothing? And how do they make it last? How do they build a church? And how can we follow in their footsteps? Let's turn now to a story in Acts about the early church. I think there are two themes to turn our hearts toward. The power and authority given to the church by the Holy Spirit, that's the first theme. And the second theme is the courage given to the church through prayer. As we will find, power doesn't work the way we assume. Now, let's summarize the text real quick. So we are in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John heal a man who is poor and crippled. Then they proclaim the authority of Jesus and bring many to faith. Then in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are arrested for discrediting the teachings and authority of the religious and political rulers. So at the beginning of our story this morning, we find Peter and John, two uneducated and ordinary men, up against the rulers of their time. Peter, who Jesus appointed as the rock or the foundation of the church, is arrested on a whim. Now this is a clear and overwhelming obstacle. What do poor, uneducated, and ordinary men have against the power and authority the well-read leaders of their day. How could the church survive if the leaders can be arrested on a whim? As readers, we should be surprised when Peter and John are filled with the Holy Spirit and they denounce the rulers. They label the rulers as the builders who reject the stone that is Jesus, the crucified one, Now, these rulers, they sought to use their religious and political power to build the kingdom of God, using a blueprint of what they thought was good and right. They were like society builders, and they wanted nothing to do with the social powerlessness of a crucified and shamed Messiah. However, in their midst, Peter proclaims instead that power doesn't work the way the rulers assume. A commentator writes that Peter says this standing next to a beggar who God healed, not by the kind of power claimed by the rulers, but the beggar was healed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the name of Jesus Christ. The crucified one is the cornerstone of social and spiritual salvation. In other words, it is only the crucified one who has the kind of power to heal the crippled man and restore him from the margins of poverty to a position of honor. Dependence on the Crucified One is the only way through which true salvation can be realized in this world. It was the Crucified One who empowered the Samaritan woman in John 4 to be the first evangelist. Skip forward to the 1800s. It was the Crucified One who empowered Jarena Lee, the first black woman recorded in American history to preach the gospel publicly. Now, on that Sunday morning, Jarena heard a voice urging her to go and preach the gospel, to which she immediately replied, well, no one will believe me. Again, she heard the same voice, I will put words in your mouth and will turn your enemies to become your friends. Now, Jarena Lee, a woman, a former slave, was the lowest of the low, just like the Samaritan woman. But Power does not work the way we assume. It is the young and the powerless, the small, who are the God-appointed builders of the kingdom, not the religious and political powers of the day. So while the early church was small in number, limited in resources, they were big in spirit and power. Ecclesia, while we are young and small, Remember that our youth and our size do not determine the effects of our meetings, our prayers, and our ministries. Through the power of the Spirit, an ecclesiastical small group can have paradoxically big effects. And I'm confident that if I were to ask around right now, most of us will have these small moments, small conversations, seemingly mundane instances in the story of our lives that, ultimately had a profound impact on the trajectory of our lives. Sometime this last year I had to make a big significant decision. And the course of my life changed for the better at the last moment because of an unannounced short 10-minute phone call from an elder at my dad's church. Now the Holy Spirit moved powerfully in that small moments in that small moment. And The Spirit will will move powerfully in these small moments, small groups, and in small communities. When we bring our our measly loaves and fishes to Jesus, He can feed thousands. And I do think God is on the move to, to feed thousands. We are coming close to the end of an era, the end of the social distance era. We are the first generation of Christians who needed to figure out how to depend on digital church. There's no guidebook on how to spiritually survive Zoom fatigue. So as a result, many of us are tired and weak. We feel drained of faith and of hope. But as Joanna read for us earlier in Ezekiel 37, I believe God will fill us with his spirit. God will regenerate our weary bones, ushering in a renewed life into this community. Cases are going down vaccinations are going up students will be returning from a long wandering in the desert hungry and searching for the kind of community that they have been longing for aching to share some bread and wine with their brothers and sisters aching to show up to that bible study and enjoy the comfort of their spiritual family now we have a friend at our seminary who was one of these desperate people sadly we didn't get to meet him until recently, but over the pandemic, he really has been terribly depressed and lonely in a place of deep darkness. I'm sure you all have at least one friend who feels like this. Maybe you yourself feel this way. Now remember that you and I, we don't have the power and authority to save ourselves, save our friends from this darkness, but we have the power and authority of the Holy Spirit. God has promised to empower us with all that is needed to bring his promises into reality. God will fill us with his spirit when our schedules are overwhelming, we're too tired to go to small group. God will fill us with his spirit when we have lost hope in this whole church thing. God will fill us with his spirit when the vices and bad habits that that lurk in our human nature drain us of peace, of love. And God will fill us with his spirit when we lack the courage to step up or reach out or say what needs to be said. Now, God will do these things because God has promised to use the small, the ordinary, the unimpressive people in moments to do big and mighty things here in Princeton. Power doesn't work the way we think. So to sum up this first section, how did the early church managed to create community out of nothing, they depended on the power and authority given to them by the Holy Spirit. Let's turn now to the second point, that the early church received courage to build the promised kingdom of God through prayer. In the same story in Acts 4, we find Peter and John threatened by the rulers. Threatened, probably, with death or torture or shame and ridicule. Despite these threats, they stand firm in their convictions. The crowds are amazed by their boldness, and they are released. The Spirit breaks them free from their judgment, and they go and they pray. And after they prayed, verse 31 says, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. After they pray, Luke describes this spirit-filled community that follows these events. The group of believers were of one heart and soul. They testified to the resurrection of Jesus. No one claimed private ownership of any possessions and everything they owned was held in common. They increased in number and great grace was upon them all. This spirit-filled community is the fulfillment of what we read in Ezekiel 37. It's a fulfillment of what we read. Now, Ezekiel 37 says that in a valley of dry bones, God will open up the graves and place those who were weary and dead in their sin into the garden of the living. And at that time, God will put his spirit upon them. He will establish an everlasting covenant with them, and he will bless and multiply them. This was the kind of community promised to the early Christians. And it is the kind of community promised to us today. Now, Ian described this promised community, this vision to us last week in our digital service. Ecclesia is to see the world with a scriptural imagination, devoting ourselves to the Bible, locating ourselves in its story, sharing the table and our stuff, not doing anything heroic or world-shaking, but living in faith day by day and through this power bestowed upon us Ecclesius quote small groups will have paradoxically big effects and day by day the lord will add to our number those who are being saved this vision it sounds overwhelming again we're a young church we're a small church we face obstacles and we have limited resources so again i ask How did the early church face the challenges of the task ahead of them? The early church received power and courage to realize the promises of God through prayer. Now, prayer is necessary because of our powerlessness. Even though we might fervently desire God's vision of what is good, John Calvin, an early theologian, reminds us that it is in our stubborn and rebellious nature to distrust the same promises we confess to believe. Many of us are well acquainted with Paul's saying, I do what I do not want. I do the very thing I hate. Augustine, an early saint, he dreamed of building this kind of community as a young man, but wrote that the plans were broken up and abandoned. And we returned to the sighs and the groans and careers following the broad and well-trodden ways of the world. Now, how many times have we been dejected by our own inability to stay committed to the narrow path? Our own inability to devote ourselves to the hard thing and we return with downcast eyes to what is comfortable and safe easy. John Calvin reminds us that God knows this about our nature, and so scripture is filled with banners that inspire us with the confidence to keep striving for what we won't be able to achieve on our own strength. God reminds us in these banners that certainly all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Howard Thurman describes this confidence as the needful security that spurs God's people to courageous action. So prayer is necessary because it reminds us of the security and sweetness of God's power and presence within us, despite our powerlessness. But Calvin, he continued to, continues to write of prayer that it is strange that by promises of such sweetness, we are affected so coldly or hardly at all. So that many of us prefer to wander through mazes and forsaking the fountain of living waters we dig out for ourselves dry cisterns ecclesia have we become so numb to the wonder and awe of god's promises to us has digital church so dried out our souls Have we been digging a well that does more to tire us than it does to satisfy us? Now, I am one of those who have spent the last year of Digital Church digging dry wells in places outside of scripture, outside of prayer, outside of community. My Instagram screen time, is through the roof. I spend more time thinking about what to eat or cook or buy than I do about the word of life. But Calvin reminds us that God's promises are not grounded in me, an ordinary and unimpressive person, but they are grounded in God alone, and God's promises need no support from, from you or from me. We must therefore make up our minds, Calvin writes, that even though we do not excel in a holiness that is praised of the prophets and of the apostles, we share a common command with the saints of scripture to pray and believe. And if we rely on prayer, we are rightly to be counted alongside the prophets and apostles and saints. So Ecclesia. COVID cases are going down, vaccinations are going up. We are all returning from wandering in a desert maze and drinking out of dry cisterns. So when the time comes, will we be ready as a church to welcome those who need the treasures of spiritual friendship? From Acts 3 and 4, we are reminded that size or strength will not determine the effect of our meetings, our prayers, and our ministries. And through the power of the Spirit, our small acts of love will have paradoxically big effects. Power does not work the way we assume. So do not lose hope because of our youth and the obstacles ahead of us. Do not lose faith because we don't have power, influence, or resources. Do not give up on love because it has been difficult for us to love this year. For all who call upon the name of the Lord will be delivered. And God is certain to deliver on his promises and his vision for Princeton. Let us therefore turn away from the dry wells we have dug. Devote ourselves to prayer and receive the boldness necessary to do the tasks that God has set before us. Will you join me in prayer? Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remind us of the power of your Holy Spirit who has taken us out of our graves and death to sin and placed us in the garden of your presence. Would you grant to us the boldness necessary to proclaim your word, to heal, to share, and to love? Grant us all that we need to do whatever it is you have set before us this week. Fill us with your spirit when it is necessary and guide us, O good shepherd. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.